Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise, sort of, and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Liam. You do. And of. Mitch is not here, sort of. So we had to call on a ringer. Jade is here again. You may remember Jade from episode 99 of this podcast. And now in episode 101, she's back. Hello, Jade. Hey, I hope th- I hope they remember two weeks ago. <laughs> God willing, if you don't remember two weeks ago, you've got bigger problems than the people in this movie. Oh, well, debatable. <laughs> it's debatable. I say sort of because I don't think this is an often forgotten installment in a franchise. It might be like the most prominent installment in this franchise, depending on who you ask. But um, we'll figure that out for ourselves. That's why we're here. We've gathered here today to talk about 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, which is related to, if you can believe it, Cloverfield. It's the 10th installment. The 10th one. I did not even know there was a third movie. Um, one, I did not know that this movie was related to the first movie. And then I also did not know that there was a third movie. So it's like a Clo- the Cloverfield trilogy. Um. Did you guys know that? Well, that's good yeah. news. That means we can we can we can do any installment from the franchise, and it kind of applies. Yeah, I did know that. Um, but it's weird. Like, if you read about this movie, even they're like, "Don't think about it as a sequel. Don't even think about it as being directly related or loosely related. It's like thematically related." And it's like, okay, that what that tells me is you named it after Cloverfield to try to make money. <laughs> JJ (laughs) yeah yeah JJ he's like I didn't make enough money off of my Cloverfield sequels I'm gonna go kill Star Wars oh my god (laughs) it 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 also tells me that they're being like willfully ambiguous and uh ostensibly artful in order to get people to see the movie because having seen this movie I would say that it's related to Cloverfield much more than just thematically um so I, th- I think that's kind of a crock. How so? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, there's uh, there's aliens alien? in it. There's big yeah. alien. Fight. Different. That's ones, what I though. was thinking. Big alien. <laughs> they're they're very clear about it being different ones. Yeah, but even in the first one, it's not just the one big alien. There's all sorts of different kinds of aliens in that I first one. I don't. Remember you wouldn't that. say that. I mean, but people still say that like a. Kong Skull Island and like Godzilla are still related, even though they're like different monsters. That's kind of how I'm thinking of it. They put those boys in the same movie, though. Yeah, I like, mean, maybe that'll happen in Cloverfield 4. <laughs> Liam sounds like he might be pretty familiar with the Cloverfield franchise, by which I mostly mean the original movie. Is that a fair statement? It's fair. It is, but it is both fair and true. Um, when the original Cloverfield came out, 2008, I think that was actually my introduction to uh, the found footage premise because Paranormal Activity didn't come out theatrically till like 2009. I don't think I knew about Blair Witch Project. And so um, this Cloverfield movie came out. I remember hanging out with my friends and uh, they just kept referencing Cloverfield. We were big into like making movies at the time, you know, with our little camcorders, like making horror movies around the neighborhood and stuff. And um, they said that we'll do this movie that'll be 
uh, you hold the camera and the premise is that in the mo- in this little movie we're making, you're going to be holding the camera and it'll be like Cloverfield. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Cloverfield? Um, and so that's all I knew about Cloverfield for a good long while. I did not look up what Cloverfield was. I don't exactly remember following the marketing, which was like really... I now know was really vague and like interesting marketing that didn't give too much away. And so I guess in that sense, I, uh, I was like right in the, uh, where the Cloverfield people wanted me to be because all I knew was the title and that it's found footage. And I thought that was mysterious and interesting, but they never actually got me in the theater. So I guess their plan didn't work. So I didn't see, I didn't see Cloverfield for a good while. Um, actually until this movie was set to come out i think a trailer for 10 cloverfield lane um or an announcement of its of its uh release didn't come out until really shortly before the movie actually premiered it might have been a month or two beforehand it was in my freshman year of university and once that was announced at this point i'm like big into movies i'm big into using the internet and stuff so i can i can follow along to movie releases really easily whereas when the original cloverfield came out i couldn't do that and so at this point i'm like reading about what the marketing for the original cloverfield was like i'm getting nostalgic for it and like wishing i had followed along at the time and so now i really want to follow along with this movie i get like that a lot where like i i i get bummed out that i missed something in the past and so when the opportunity comes to have an analogous experience i'll jump on it like when mtv put out a a reboot of beavis and butthead in like 2011 i was like i'm gonna watch this as it premieres every single week because i wish that i lived in 1992 so i was super into the idea of 10 cloverfield lane i watched uh the original cloverfield the day or the night before it came out in um, theaters on my laptop. I really liked the original Cloverfield. I thought it was scary. I was really familiar with found footage at that point, and I still thought that it was a fresh take. I liked that it was a big monster movie, but told from a small perspective. And if I had known that in 2008, I definitely would have checked it out. But I had it in my head that it was a a much uh, bigger fantastical concept like uh like a superhero movie or like a lord of the rings type movie or something for whatever reason um so i loved cloverfield and then i saw 10 cloverfield lane in the theater the next day with a friend of the show cakey friend Mm. of the show brogo and um and then through that i also followed along very closely to the third cloverfield movie that eventually came out but i guess that's a talk for another podcast and that's Mm. that what about you jade yeah, so my um experience with the Cloverfield trilogy, <laughs> the first one, I didn't even realize that was 2008. That's so long ago. So I would have been pretty young when that came out. And I was not interested in scary movies um, at all. I mean, I'm, I've definitely warmed up to them a lot more now. Um, but zero interest. I do remember kids talking about it at school a lot because it was like a whole thing where it's like, you know, it was mysterious. There was like a MySpace, not a MySpace page, maybe I, there was like some something like that, like a website or something. And I remember it being like a very big thing, like socially, like to talk about Cloverfield for a little bit. And then I remember like everyone kind of, I felt like there was a lot of negative backlash after people saw it where they're like, 
the monster wasn't even that scary. And like, I've, I definitely, that's what I remember the most is people being like, oh, it wasn't even that good. Like there was too much hype. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe I will see it if the monster is not that scary. <laughs> um, but I never did. And I think my first found footage movie I ever saw was actually Chronicle, like a lot later. And um, now Blair nice. Witch Project is, yeah, I loved Chronicle. Um, and everyone, <laughs> my friends are all like the main guy in Chronicle Jade, that like, that's what would happen if like you got those powers. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh, <laughs> thanks a lot. Um, but, and that, and Blair Witch Project is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I definitely like found footage. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad I mean, I guess I'm kind of, I think this movie would have been good as found footage, but I also think it was extremely well done just as like a regular ass movie. Uh, I'm talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, yeah, but yeah, and I heard that this movie was really, really good when it came out. So I was excited I got to watch it for the show. <laughs> um, Yeah, I am not hugely familiar myself with, like a wide breadth of found footage stuff. I saw Cloverfield probably near when it came out. Um, and I don't think I could tell you a single thing about that movie at all. Um, it did not leave a very strong like impression on me. And then I just kind of moved on into watching movies uh, that weren't Cloverfield and never really thought about it again. So I was kind of surprised to see later that it's actually got like a decently sized like cult following and um, left such an impression on other people or that it was popular enough of a concept that the studio felt like J.J. Abrams' idea to just make this a Cloverfield movie was a good idea. Because that implies that like there's like a huge the audiences are freaking out wanting more Cloverfield movies. <laughs> and I didn't realize that was really true. Um, so this movie kind of came and went and I didn't see it when it came out and I heard it was pretty good. And then again, much like the first movie, never really thought about it again. Um, and then that third one is so transparently not a Cloverfield movie in premise that to see them slap that name on it just feels extremely dumb. So it already starts to feel like um, like that that gimmick is getting away from them, and they've only done it twice. Uh, but I at least think that for this first crack, they did it to a movie that is interesting, which is better than the alternative. So I'll take it, but I definitely didn't really know what to expect going in because all I had ever heard is that it's really, really good. But I feel like when that happens, all that really means is that anybody who didn't like it is being quiet about it. Cause I can't think of a single <laughs> movie that's like universally, like we all fucking love this movie, dude. Like, so I kind of didn't trust that, but it was interesting to see like where, all of that was coming from cool <laughs> and what did you find Corey? Uh, um well <laughs> uh <laughs> shit <This> is... <laughs> Fuck. you um, 
got me. You got me on the hook. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go straight. In. What, what what I found was these people who made the movie, and I'll do the list now because uh. there's a lot of shit going on here. Um, so yeah, Lee, I'm sorry to disappoint. Okay, but we got to talk about all the people that made this movie. So suspenseful. No, fuck um, those people. It's directed by Dan. <laughs> I want to know about you, Corey. Um, well, first we have to talk about Dan. Tr- Trachtenberg? Yes, not related to Michelle Trachtenberg. No, not related. Who was in a movie with Mary Elizabeth Winstead that we talked about on the show? Oh, yes, Black Christmas 2006. Sky High. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Is that a sequel? Is that a sequel to that movie Zoom or is that different? The fuck is Zoom? Oh, man. It came out like around the same time Zoom did. Never heard of it. 2005, 2006. Tim Allen. I wish it was a sequel. Is Tim Allen in Sky High? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ashes uh, from Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Bruce Campbell and Wonder Woman and oh, I don't know who else. Dang. Well, hey, they, they both. Sky High was 2005, and it is a su- American superhero comedy film. And Zoom is 2006, and it's an American superhero comedy film. Interesting. <laughs> Does that mean there's sequels just inherently? No, it, it, I'm just explaining why I got them mixed up. That's all. <laughs> the only Zoom I respect is the uh, PBS children's show from Boston. Oh, two, one, one three, three, four. four. Send it to Zoom. Everybody knows that. All right, tell us about the cast and crew. <laughs> but back to whatever we were talking about. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so directed by Dan T, because I don't think I said his last name right, and we'll leave it there. Uh, this is like his big movie director job. Um, he directed an episode of Black Mirror and a, an episode or maybe a handful of The Boys. Um, but movie-wise, this is like his big one, uh, which is kind of interesting to just sort of get thrown at this but i guess the movie was so small like in terms of scope that i I guess that probably makes sense um there's a lot of fucking writing credits there's so many um so the story is by josh campbell and matthew stukin and they wrote a movie called the seller and um they had uh josh campbell had some editing roles uh on the dungeons and dragons movie blade 2 so maybe we'll talk about him later um and so those two wrote a movie called the seller and then damien chazelle uh of whiplash and la la land and first man fame was brought in to rewrite that script and then direct the movie and then that he left because whiplash got funding and he's like okay i'm gonna go make whiplash instead which you know seems like a sound move and then they're like okay so we're gonna go get dan and then there is an uncredited writer named daniel casey who did another pass at the script and then they made the movie um worth noting that dan daniel casey wrote the new fast and furious movie he also allegedly wrote or did a draft of the craft legacy which i did not know we talked about it because i (laughs) I couldn't confirm it anywhere but Wikipedia, and there's no footnotes I to it. I confirm it in my So heart. I, didn't, I didn't trust it, that, that Daniel Casey took a pass at the craft legacy. There we go. So that's, that's canon. And um, so, yeah, there was like five people minimum who had their hands on this script, uh, which is usually on paper too many. But 
you know, maybe it went okay. We'll have to see. Cinematography is by Jeff Cutter, who we've seen before because he shot the Nightmare on Elm Street remake from 2010. That's a good name he has, Jeff Cutter. It'd be cool if he was an editor. Editor, yeah. (laughs) Um, He also worked on The Boys a little bit, so maybe there's a connection there. Uh, The editor, speaking of, is Stefan Grub. He is one of the two people that edited Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Oh no, Stefan, what happened? JJ, JJ oh, yeah. brought him is in. Is that a badly edited movie? <laughs> um, JJ brought him in. That's just a bad movie, like top to bottom. It wasn't Stefan's fault. But he certainly didn't help. Yeah, Stefan did nothing wrong. <laughs> no, hashtag justice for Stefan. Um, and then the music is by Bear McCreary who has a lot of credits that I think would be of interest to us. Yes. Um, yeah. So first of all, lots of Battlestar Galactica. Cool. Uh, but more recently, Freaky, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You, which we should probably watch on this show. Um, the video game God of War, the new one. But most importantly, Liam. I know. Angry video game nerd, the movie. I know, dude. <laughs> I I heard he was doing the music when when uh, James Rolfe, the, the titular angry video game nerd, was like documenting his progress of the movie in you know 2012 or whatever. He said that he got this dude Bear McCreary who did Battlestar Galactica, which I don't know, but I know the name, and so I was like, oh, it's that's so cool that he got someone that's working big time in the industry to work on his movie. And ever since then, whenever I see his name doing the music in a movie i'm like oh man that's so cool that dude did angry video game nerd and uh yeah he does like a whole lot of music honestly like he's he's to me he's like the new han zimmer or whatever where it's just like i see his name everywhere and i just know him as like a composer you know he does a lot of stuff that i tend to watch like he did 2019 child's play the babysitter killer queen which we could do on the podcast fantasy island hellfest like a lot of horror movies uh the boy from 2016 so i like this dude also it's cool that his name is bear that's pretty yeah sick. it's just a good name like even even if i wasn't so invested in angry video game nerd i might start to recognize that dude's name because it's a good name bear yeah. mccreary totally like career of... kind of, sort of looks like it rhymes with bear it's just a, Kurt it's oh, a yeah, Some, someone cocking a gun up. over there <laughs> Somebody cocking a gun over there. <laughs> and so look at the cast. At least one person we've seen before. I don't think we've seen anybody else, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead is playing Michelle. As mentioned, she was in Black Christmas 2006. Um, somebody's favorite Black Christmas movie, probably. Um, which is pretty It's top three. Top three for sure. For sure. And then rounding out our like core trio we've got john goodman somebody who i can finally say needs no introduction and actually i'm not gonna give one because everybody knows who john goodman is yeah watch toy story 4 come on who does he play in toy story 4 i don't remember him being in that at all i'm certain he does uh (laughs) slinky dog (laughs) i'm gonna google it now so we don't sound stupid just in case all right it'll just be me he's also pacha right What is Pacha? I don't know. What <laughs> Am is. I saying the wrong name? Um, from the, that person, Cusco. You threw me off my groove, Llama. <laughs> you know. What I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he he's got a good voice. He's Sully in Monsters Inc. Mm. He's got a. When I was watching this with Brianna, uh, she I don't know if she recognized his face, but she said I recognize his voice. He's got. Yeah, a well, great I'm gonna voice. tell you right now that Slinky Dog is not John Goodman. Oh man, who is a it? A man named Blake Clark. Oh yeah, he plays Sean's dad in Boy Meets World. He's he's the zoom to John Goodman's. How did you get a Boy Meets confused. World cast member wrong? Listen, I don't follow their entire careers, all right? <laughs> Toy Story 4, it's a bit off my off the beaten path. Somebody who might need an introduction, though, is uh, John Gallagher Jr., plays Emmett. Oh, I love who, him. Who um, does a lot of Broadway stuff. He's done some Aaron Sorkin stuff. But I think most interestingly, he was in a movie called Short Term 12. Do you guys know what that movie is? Oh, yeah, I love so, it. Okay, so Jade, just to paint this picture here, um, this is not actually a movie I've seen, but I find it fascinating because it came out in 2013, and the cast includes Brie Larson, Caitlin Daver, Rami Malek, Lakeith Stanfield, and Stephanie Beatrice, all in the same fucking movie before like any of them were famous. For all of the... <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, Rami was in... Um, when did Night at the Museum come out? I have no idea. Because he was in that. He was the mummy. Yeah. If somebody wanted to kill me, they could put a gun to my head and say, what year did Night at the Museum come out? And I wouldn't know. Fuck. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, came out in 2006, so I take it back. Rami Malek was famous. <laughs> yeah, he got super famous. <laughs> Everyone knows Mummy Guy. <laughs> Well, I thought he was sexy. Um, what, whatever age I was, in like two thousand six. <laughs> Talk about a yummy mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, Liam. <laughs> Glad you like that one, Corey. That's definitely a Corey joke. So I just had to give it. A oh try. my god. Um. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Do you guys know that Bradley Cooper's in this movie? Okay, where the fuck was I did. Bradley Cooper I in this yeah. movie? I did not see him, and I was waiting for him the whole time. <laughs> this morning, did you wake up and be like, yeah. oh, Brad's coming over today, and then he didn't He didn't show up? Well, I looked up the casting list, and the uh, whole time I'm like, any minute now, Bradley Cooper's gonna step onto the screen. Bradley Cooper, I'm ready. Fucking, And then I, I, he is I the missed the voice him. on the phone. Her husband? He is oh. <laughs> the husband. Yeah. I didn't notice it was him, to be honest. I I absolutely did not notice. Yeah, I I'm with you, Corey. Um I I knew that the dude on the phone was a big actor going into this movie. Um I've seen the movie a couple times and in, in like hearing people talk about it over the last five years or whatever, a lot of people say, hey, that her her ex-husband or ex-fiance or whatever the voice is a famous actor and so i remembered that going in and i was listening for the voice to see if i could place it um i thought beforehand it might be james franco because he also has a small cameo in uh alien covenant and i got it confused with that and uh it's not james franco it is bradley cooper but I, when i heard his voice i couldn't identify it either um so they just slipped him in there i guess just for for funsies and then uh i wanted to give some credit to a. Uh... Sumali Montano, uh, who is credited as voice on radio, just because she does a lot of video games, and I just think that's fun. Uh, we don't talk a lot about video games on this show, 
So I just thought that was neat. I did single out some games that she was in specifically for Mitch, but he's not here. So I'll skip it because no one else will care. So <laughs> we can just cruise into our thoughts on the movie. And I, I think okay. you want me to start. Based yeah. on yeah, you the go fact first. that you're just like dying of anticipation. <laughs> Your setup was just so good. You should be proud. I over, I've already forgotten what it was, but I will absolutely take your word for it. Okay, everybody. Well, you know what that sound means? That, that very bad, very, very digital, very, very mangled sound means that uh, the podcast machine broke again. So... From this point, we're just going to recap what we said, and then we're going to act like nothing happened. And listeners at home, I, I would love it if you just rolled with it. That would be great. So what I had to say about the movie is that um, it's very well made on like a technical level, but I found it generally lacking in things to hook me in. And while I can appreciate some of you know, the craft that went into it or should i say the craft legacy that went into it you know callback um there wasn't really a ton story wise that i thought was that interesting i also think that the cloverfield connection is to the movie's detriment i don't know when monsters got added but i definitely think they made the ending worse and uh i'd be curious to see the version of the movie that didn't have that kind of like name recognition baggage uh to see what its more overall take was uh and the final thing i mentioned is that there's too much music all the time and it's completely exhausting (laughs) because it's constantly feeling as if it's trying to tell you what to feel for that scene and it's super annoying and i didn't like it um i think that was it for me so uh i forget what order we did this in so liam's turn (laughs) Okay. Um, I found that this movie sort of lost its luster for me in in every uh, rewatch that I've done. This is now my third time seeing this movie. The first time was in the theater, um, and I quickly settled into knowing that this would be like a great movie for me. I love movies that take place in one setting. I love movies with just a few characters. I love all these actors, um, if not at the time, certainly since. Like I, I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Final Destination 3, Scott Pilgrim, Black Christmas 2006. I like John Goodman uh, when I think of him being in Toy Story 4, even though he isn't in it. I, I think about him as, as if he were, and I like him in it. Uh, <laughs> John Gallagher Jr. I, I really like everything he has done, mostly since 10 Cloverfield Lane, so I guess he would have been new to me at the time. But I love Short Term 12. Uh, he's the bad guy in a movie called Hush by Mike Flanagan that's really good. The Belko Experiment. Miseducation of Cameron Post, Underwater, Come Play. Like, he's sort of just a, he's a genre dude for me now. So I, I really like him. Um, and uh, I, I just, this movie had me in its grips in the theater. There were so many moments where the, the, the entire audience gasped. And I can remember that even watching the movie now. I can remember when those moments were. And I think all those moments still hold up. I watched this with Brianna, who had never seen Cloverfield and hadn't seen this movie. And it was so fun to experience it 
uh, along with her and, you know, listen to her wonder if John Goodman is telling the truth or not. You know, for so much of it, she was like, oh, yeah, I don't trust this dude. He's he's totally lying. But then when uh, the reveal happens where Michelle sees that really like blistered, scabbed woman outside the window screaming to let her in, then Brianna was like, oh, man, maybe he is on to something i don't know and i think that's just a great moment i think the movie is full of those it, it keeps its cards close to its chest and then plays them at like a, a really uh taste in a really tasteful manner i love the pacing of the movie um and so that first time watch it it totally had me but like you Corey, i thought that the cloverfield alien ending felt a bit tacked on even though i loved that first cloverfield which i just seen and i was super high on it i thought that the movie had spent so much time uh making itself out to be a, a small movie where anything could be going on. I totally forgot about the Cloverfield in the title. I wasn't thinking this is going to end up being aliens. And yet when it was aliens, I was a bit disappointed. Um, second time watching it with that intrigue gone and I knew what was going on. I found all the bunker stuff uh, just a, a bit less interesting. And I could still, int- uh, I could still, get into it on a filmmaking level you know all the all the tact in the filmmaking is still totally there the pacing and everything but it just didn't really have the rewatchability factor for me um and this time around uh i actually found that the alien stuff at the end was some of my uh my favorite bit of the movie just because i found it like fun and refreshing after being in the bunker for so long and so i don't know if that's just my tastes have changed or what but i think the movie actually worked maybe better all around than it has since the first time i watched it because i knew what to expect with the aliens and but i also hadn't seen the bunker stuff in a few years so the the big moments the big twists were all interesting to me so um i come away from it like uh, really appreciating most of it though like you Corey, i would be interested to see if not a remake of this movie, just like a movie with a similar premise, because the premise is so my thing. And um, the ending that comes in the last 10 minutes could go in any sort of direction. And so the one that we have, I think, is is fine and, and cool. But I, I also would have liked to see what the movie was if it didn't have that Cloverfield ending. And so I think it's a, it's sort of a polarizing movie just by design um and right now i'm coming away uh on the positive side what about you jade yeah i mean i really liked it um i liked it a lot and and this is my first time watching it so i guess it's a little bit different i mean i guess it was Corey's. Corey was your first time watching this too yeah it was yeah okay so never mind that but i thought it was really good i thought that john goodman uh john badman (laughs) um (laughs) was like a very (laughs) unnerving character and I think that sold it a lot for me because I was like very much like in Mary Elizabeth Winstead's like um shoes of being like well this is obviously like not a good person or like maybe if he is a good person like he's not all there (laughs) like something is wrong with this man but at the same time like like having the 
opposing forces of like John Goodman and then like the outside world. And then, like you said, having that reveal of it being like, Oh, like something is wrong with the outside world. Um, that was cool. And the, the mystery definitely kept me in. I do think that if I watched it again, it probably wouldn't be as exciting because a lot of it I think does hinge on not really knowing what's going on. And then with the ending, like all the aliens, that was fine. I kind of checked out. So I guess I wasn't that interested in it, but I wasn't like upset by it. It felt like <laughs> it almost felt like after credits sort of scene stuff to me in that like it felt very removed mm. what had been happening. Um, and just everything is like exploding. And then um, how it ends with her choosing to go like fight or whatever in um, Houston instead of going north, like where they were obviously trying to do like they were trying to pay off the setup of her being cowardly or like always running away, even though at no point in the movie, except for, I guess, leaving her husband, Bradley Cooper, (laughs) at no point in the movie did it really seem (laughs) like she was cowardly. She just kind of like said that she was, and then was leaving her husband, which, you know, that I did not originally interpret that as her running away from her problems. Um, That, payoff felt kind of weird it felt kind of forced but i i liked the movie i thought it was cool i i do think it was i like a lot of the shots i kind of noticed was like oh that looks cool and um the the vat of like acid <laughs> what i thought was kind of funny the vat of like green acid that he uses to like dissolve people the dip from who framed roger rabbit <laughs> <laughs> Is what I called it earlier, <laughs> um, which it literally is. Still lands. That. Great bit. <laughs> it's just that. Well, it's the same. Like when he brings that out and when he's like, yeah, this can like melt anything. I'm like, so it's the dip. <laughs> you don't need to tell yeah. me. Yeah. Well, and he's, he seems to have kept it on hand specifically for the purpose of melting a person. Like, yeah. what else do you need that for? Yeah. John, <laughs> John Batman. Trash. He's a bad man. <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah. That's a plan. The garbage shoot, though. Like he's got a garbage situation. What you're gonna he... put a you're gonna put a body in the garbage shoot? <laughs> Why does he have to kill anybody? Because he's a bad man, bro. <laughs> you know what? Why do Why do movies need antagonists? Why can't everyone just be good? <laughs> All right, that's a little reductive. <laughs> but um, I do remember there was. One part in the movie where I literally like gasped and said like "Oh my god" out loud, um, and it was when they're playing like taboo or whatever, and he's like, um, you know, like a when he's like when the uh, Emmett or whatever his name is is like giving the clues, he's like, you know, like a like a girl but older, and he's like, uh, little princess, and I was just like, oh my god, because that was like really scary to me for some yeah. reason. Yeah, that felt kind of gross and bad. Yeah. They did a good job with that, I think. Like, it was never so much that I was like, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. But it did, like, I don't know. I felt like I had a sense of, like, this guy without having to be shown literally everything. So I think that that characterization was... I think all the characters were characterized pretty well, except for the weird cowardice thing with um mary elizabeth winstead but yeah i like the movie (laughs) 
Okay, with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I'm just going to talk about the thing that I think about the most from like a technical writing standpoint. And I was also thinking like, since we've we've kind of talked about how this was originally written to be a different movie, and then there were a lot of rewrites, and maybe J.J. Abrams is involved, which is always like a thing, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> with his like mystery red box, flag his like mystery box sort of thing that he does that i feel like everyone knows about but um this i think was a good example of that where it was very mysterious but there was i guess a payoff question mark i mean the payoff is just that she gets out of the bunker i feel like um, and doesn't immediately die but um i i feel like you can kind of tell that there's a lot of hands in it because even though it is like a good movie um it feels like it not that it lacks originality but that it's very tropey I guess I don't know if you guys felt that like not that it's completely tropey but just like oh you know this is like a I feel like this is like a premise where it's like oh they're like locked in here and you don't know if he's you know a john goodman or john badman and um you know that like that's where most of the tension is coming from and um the emmett feels extremely set up to die especially since he's really into the idea of thinking about all of your regrets (laughs) (laughs) okay he's like thinking about his regrets and then he's gonna have some sort of um like character development and then he's gonna die and that's pretty much what happens um and i mean he was cool though i liked him a lot and then she's kind of got her own like they had like the same thing i guess where it's like we need to be more brave um and then she lives it's very final girl to me um in this even though it's not exactly like a slasher flick or anything and then john goodman being like the mysterious kind of kathy bates misery character and i don't know i guess it's not like it's like it's again it's not like it's totally tropey it's not that it's totally predictable but i think that's what makes it another thing that might make it have diminishing returns on rewatch is that they do feel kind of archetypal in a way um even if it is done very well so i don't know thoughts (laughs) yeah i i think it also just um like it's got baggage because they put Cloverfield in the name <laughs> and that a gives you expectations of like the ending can't be like a big shocking reveal because you called the movie that for a reason yeah. and people know what Cloverfield is. It's a yeah. movie with a big monster in it. Um, and so that like minimizes that, but um it also kind of lingers over the rest of it because you also sort of think like, well, what's the likelihood that John Goodman is a good guy and that she could just hang out in here <laughs> if they're teasing a big monster? And I know the the slogan on the poster is like monsters come in many forms or whatever, but it's like, I don't know, something tells me you're going to have an alien in this one. And so it's hard to not think ahead to what that will probably look like. Um, I think that the movie works best, A, if you take the Cloverfield part away from your brain and just don't include it at all, and mostly in, like, smaller scenes where the 
there's two or three of them talking and there might be an argument <laughs> that's mostly like when it actually manages to build tension um in a way that's kind of interesting i do think a lot of those moments are undercut by the fucking music um like every time there's something that's like about to maybe happen whether it's a conversation or just something that they're trying to hide or this or that or even the very opening of the movie like there's just so much music happening all the time and it feels like it's just trying to really make you do a specific response to what's happening and it's so annoying that i also like the scenes where that's not happening um (laughs) like if if this movie were shorter and quieter yeah i don't know why i noticed it to such an extent but yeah if this movie were shorter and quieter (laughs) uh, i think it would probably be more effective at what it's trying to do um but the thing to circle back to is like generally speaking like it's all well executed like it's not like a painful miserable experience to watch the movie or anything it's just like got enough things that i wish it didn't have that it's kind of frustrating um also why does uh michelle use the middle option on a gas pump that's weird. Never seen anybody do that before. She's fancy. She had a nice house. <laughs> the middle option. She's I got did that, that like once, 90 grade. And I just like, I'm like, why am I doing that? Like, why am I getting the more expensive gas? Like this might actually, if your car is, if your car is used to less expensive gas, you're not supposed to put nice gas in it. Right. And it's so much more expensive. Like <laughs> it's like 25 cents a liter more expensive. Damn. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's like your biggest problem with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All of my complaints to go back to why is she buying the expensive gas. Oh my god. I really did like the opening credits, actually. That reminds me. I liked when she's like swerving off the road and it's like cutting to like the title. Um I was like really sucked into the movie from like the beginning because I was like, oh shit, like something's bad is gonna happen like i knew that she was gonna end up in a bunker but like i don't know i felt like they were doing a good job of building that tension just from other sources too from the very beginning um i don't know i the, i liked the movie more than Corey. i guess the music was probably also part of me feeling that way and i just didn't notice it like you did Matt, Corey, you threw out so much, I don't know what to pick up. Do I pick up on the middle button, on the gas pump, the music? The you could probably leave the gas pump alone. Field? All right, I'll, I'll leave. That's, that's, a whole, that's a whole separate podcast. Rich topic. Yeah, leave I'll have to tell the story about the time I made my car blow up some other time. Did you make yeah. a car blow If you made a car blow up, you have to do it now, actually. Another time, Corey. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. <laughs> you, um, did you, but Liam, you have to, can you just confirm, did you make a car blow up? In honor of Cloverfield's marketing campaign, I'll just have to say, everything is not as it seems. <laughs> what is that? Okay, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Okay, Um, I'll try to... <laughs> let me try to retrace retrace the steps here. Because uh, you guys, that was a very, that was a very linear conversation, so I think I can hit every little, every little uh, bit by just 
Okay, so uh, tropey movie. Yes, I think I think Jade is right. I think it is a tropey movie. I think it's, uh, and I don't think that's really a knock against it. I think that's why it's so captivating on a first time watch. It's a very classic story, um, and personally i just get really excited to see how it's gonna tell this story um because i'm i'm the like i said i'm the kind of dude that if i hear a movie about like people that don't know what's going on around them and they all just have to talk and they're in a confined space movies like that are are typically gonna follow um a a pretty um familiar uh line of storytelling because that's sort of what you have to do in order to keep people engaged you're going to have an inciting incident that that gets them where they need to be like the car crash at the beginning and and michelle leaving her partner um and then you're going to have uh characters being unsure of each other you're going to have characters uh they're going to try to get away from each other like michelle's first couple escapes there where she's being really resourceful i love that like right at the very beginning you're just as lost as her when she wakes up in this room uh shackled to a pipe and she's trying to figure out how to get out we don't know what's going on and then we're introduced to john badman but we don't even see his face at first and it's just that identifiable toy story 4 but not actually voice and um (laughs) i just I, i love the way that the movie slowly builds and then of course you get some reveals where you're doubting like everyone's motivations total kathy bates like you said jade and then of course with only three characters someone has to die and it's not going to be your main bad guy it's not going to be your main good guy so yeah it's going to be emmett and you might be able to predict that but it's just so interesting to see how that's going to happen i didn't think there would be a tub of acid in this movie um i didn't (laughs) think that uh that uh Howard had kidnapped someone and put them in this bunker already and I liked the little teases about that and then I really just like the underlying mystery of what could be going on out there and um, I think Corey your point about if this wasn't called Cloverfield whatever it would maybe make the mystery a bit more intriguing Um, but I I can tell you from my first watch um, uh, in the theater, knowing that this was some sort of successor to Cloverfield, um, I still found that the storytelling was so strong, um, not just in like the the way the characters are talking and the performances and if I can trust them or not, but just also in the cinematic storytelling, like the car crash at the beginning where it's the music and then it cuts to the text that you liked so much, Jade. I, I love that as well. It just shows me that like I'm in strong hands and and the 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 way the information is going to come across um is going to be a, a captivating way that just makes me feel like i'm in the bunker with these people and so by the halfway point in this movie i like forget what the title is and i'm just totally with michelle like what is what is going on here um it's sort of like uh, in The Invisible Man from last year, one of my favorite movies. I know that at some point there's going to be an Invisible Man and he's going to show up <laughs> and that's probably actually oh, what's happening. But a good... <laughs> but uh, like a good half of that movie is just about like, is there actually an Invisible Man? And if so, when is when is he going to show up and in what way and how are characters going to respond? So... 
in this movie, it's sort of the same thing where it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure at some point we're going to get out of the bunker and it very well will be aliens. Um, but when and how is that going to happen? I don't know. And I'm, I'm interested to see how it happens. Um, and I think the movie just strings you along really well uh, with the... Um, the little like little twists that are just dotted throughout this thing. Like one big one is the woman all blistery and scabby outside. You know, when that happened, Brianna, uh, who hadn't seen this movie before, was like, oh man, maybe, maybe actually Howard is onto something here, because that's that's strange. That could be aliens, but it could also be the air, but it could be like he hired an actor or something. You know, you don't know. And then when when she finds help scratched in on the window um from the inside like i remember the whole theater just gasping at that point my mind was absolutely blown and um uh, but it, it is just sort of a simple storytelling technique where it's like okay obviously there's stuff going on in this bunker john goodman is not just going to be a good man like trademarked <laughs> the entire time there's something there's something going on here um and we're gonna discover that bit by bit with michelle but the i think the 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 way that they do those discoveries is just uh, a really interesting way so i this is a story that i i really love the way it is told and i have also uh made my peace with the with the aliens at the end because even though um this movie could end in any number of ways and i'd say you know 70% 70% of them could be more interesting than aliens. Uh, I think the fact that this one just happens to be aliens, I think I think that's okay. It does feel a bit too blockbustery. Like she, uh, in in 10 minutes, it's like a it's like an action movie where she finds the little monsters and she has to defeat them, and then she finds the big monster and she has to hit its weak point like a final boss, and then she defeats it, and then she. Uh, rides off and completes her character arc that I, I like Jade I don't think it's all that defined I think that's also where the movie doesn't have a whole lot of rewatchability um, not just in that we know the twist because it could be argued that from the title we know the twist there's going to be aliens in this movie but I think it would be a more rewatchable movie if there was just a bit more character stuff going on not just like in relation to the other characters in the movie because i think all that stuff is good like how michelle and Emmett are reacting to howard and reacting to each other but i think if there was just a bit more like i felt a bit more weight of these characters pasts it would be a more rewatchable movie i don't think it's enough that michelle's character is someone who just left her relationship and and that's it and now she just wants to get out of the bunker um I think that if they had done a bit more work there, it would be more rewatchable because I, I have movies like that where the storytelling is very linear. It's, it doesn't break any new ground. I'm going to, I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. Mean Creek starring Rory Culkin and Josh Peck. Now it's a real episode of they made another one. <laughs> yeah. Mean, mean Creek. It's just, it's a very classic story. I won't, I won't spoil anything, but it's, it's uh, just some characters. Uh, they're all put in a situation. They're hanging out. Something bad happens because a bad, big, bad incident often happens near the end of a movie. And then they got to figure it out. And it, it's, it's not much more than that, but I just love those Drake characters. And Josh canceled and then they have to, <laughs> 
I love those characters in that they all feel like real people. And every time I watch the movie, like I, I, I understand a different side of them. I understand a different, uh, like motivation that they might have in this scene compared to this scene. And there's just so many little lines in there that, that fill the characters out. And having now watched this movie for the third time, I don't really think this movie has that. I think it's more of a, these characters exist in order to bolster the mystery. And then the mystery revealing itself is sort of the, the, big moment of it and so that's what keeps it from being one of my like favorite movies but um almost all my notes are just things that i like or love about this movie because i think it's uh it's hard to knock what this movie does because it's it's tried and true and uh um good actors in front it seems like it has a good director behind it Uh, there's a lot of cool shots like jade said and uh aliens scare the shit out of me Oh, I, I oh, guess really? I gotta say that, dude. Um, yeah, yeah, aliens. In <laughs> aliens, like big monster aliens in human aliens. settings, scare the hell out of me. Like that original Cloverfield is so scary. And the third movie, I won't, I, I won't get too into it because I think it's it'll it's a good podcast entry. But there's a final shot in that Cloverfield paradox movie that basically it just uh it puts a big ass monster alien in uh on earth and like you see how it compares to s- uh, the size of something on earth like it's just it puts it into perspective how fucking massive this alien is and that is honestly it's one of the scariest shots i've ever seen in a movie i still think about it and it strikes fear in my on like heart. a lovecraftian level like yes. the kind of like yeah. feeling really small I can agree with that. I think I am just like stuff I'm scared of usually is just a little more grounded, I guess. So like to me, like a John Goodman character is way scarier than like a giant alien just because I can put myself in that situation a lot more easily. Um, But I guess that means that this this movie has something for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 a great way to put it. And I am I'm typically the same way. Like I don't really like monster movies. Uh, uh, I don't like ghost movies because I feel like uh, they're not. Um, even though I very well might believe in ghosts, I'm not exactly sure. But like demons, ghosts, exorcisms, paranormal stuff, they don't they don't really get me. I'm much more into like. Uh, a, a bad guy movie like a slasher movie or uh, a home invasion movie or something that stuff really Ooh, scares home me. invasion um, movies so the, i the strangers I, is like the scariest movie i will ever watch ugh. so scary. yes you've seen it jade yes someone tricked me into watching it oh my god <laughs> like uh, even right now like i don't even want to talk it's one yes. of those movies i can't even talk about it that much because it'll like ruin my week sure yeah yeah but yes, I have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll move on. But, um, yeah. But I, I, I'm with you that the grounded stuff typically scares me, which is why I, I really like um most of this movie. But I guess mm-hmm. because honestly, in like the last four years is kind of when I've discovered that big ass Lovecraftian creatures scare me. Um, and I think that the final uh sequence in this movie where like she sees the giant creature alien ship flying above the field and it has big tentacles and stuff oh my gosh that 
that really does get to me. Um, she did that in stride pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> she. Does. Yeah, she. Like I thought she would be more freaked out. That's that's so true. <laughs> That's that's so true. I guess maybe it's just because when the actual aliens do show up and she's fighting them, I'm not that scared of those. I think they kind of look like just your like your typical uh, now sort of cliched aliens that you see in a lot of movies like Cloverfield, Quiet Place, Super Eight. Um, yeah. So Another fucking J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah, oh, a great J.J. Abrams the movie. J.J. Alien, <laughs> the classic. Yeah, yeah, the JJ Alien. Um, yeah, so the aliens they they really do scare me. Alien by uh Ridley Scott. Honestly, that one doesn't actually scare me because it's like an alien in an alien setting. That spaceship, it has all sorts of like sci-fi gear around it and stuff, and I think, okay, it makes sense that I see an alien here. But when aliens come to land, come to like a a humble little farmhouse and she has to fight them here. I think a lot of those shots are creepy. So it ends up this movie does sort of sort of pay off for me. Scares you at the end. Yeah, I mean, I really I really did like the movie. Just like when you were talking about Liam, I was just like, yeah, I pretty much agree with like everything you're saying. Like I, I like with the character stuff being more weighty, I agree with that too and that I think is my biggest um critique because knowing that there's going to be aliens in the end it would have been funny if it was still a cloverfield movie and there were no like the aliens had like maybe left by the time that she got to the surface or something or like (laughs) they're like oh well the aliens there are no aliens actually that would be like a reverse i don't know if it's like a reverse twist or whatever or just subverting expectations but um i mean but i didn't hate i mean i didn't hate how it ended I didn't really hate any of it. I was just kind of like, hmm, I feel like this could be better. But I also, it's not like with the Craft Legacy a couple weeks ago where we all had like ideas on like exactly how this would be better. Like there were so many openings for bettering the movie. For this one, I'm like, eh, it's like a couple minor things. But like, you know, I would, again, I would watch this again if I was showing it to someone else since I watched it like completely by myself this time i think it would be fun to rewatch with other people i don't think i'm personally like too too interested in doing that and it's weird because like the movie's not bad by any stretch i just think that like the ending is a good example of it feels sort of like like a space movie or almost like a part of gravity that i remember liking where it's very like claustrophobic and the escape is very high tense and then she gets out and it's just um she realizes that she can probably breathe the air and just has this moment to kind of like decompress and figure out what next steps might be but that on its own just the mere act of escape has a lot of weight to it and i'd rather more of the movie felt like that than it felt like it was building up to her getting out and then something happens like that it was a little bit more focused on the journey than the destination uh i guess is a good way of putting it um because then what it means is a lot of the stuff that you like in the bunker sex section is is sort of incidental and like that game that they play where they think that he's onto them and he's not a really good or even just like uh figuring out that he clearly has some like weird shit going on with his family and probably killed some people like building up that to have more of an oomph to it 
instead of like, oh, I melted him in some acid and then fought aliens. It's just not what I wanted. So like there's no I don't think there's any winning me back, even though it's like technically sound. I will say I also think the movie just fucking rack focus too much. It's the same problem with the music. The music feels like it wants to tell you how to feel. Uh it keeps ra- the the movie uses rack focus like a hundred times a scene to show you what the movie wants you to be looking at. And like that's fine. And it's a tool that the director has, but it's like it was happening in like every other scene. <laughs> and it's like I'll figure it out. Just show me what's happening. Don't be like, this person's talking. Rack focus. Now this person's talking. Rack focus back to the other person. Now to this shit that's on a table. Like, I found that really bothersome (laughs) too. So I think there's just enough things in the way of this movie that I can acknowledge its uh, successes without being especially interested in it. That that's interesting. That's interesting because um, I I found um through every watch of this movie, uh, especially when I saw it in the theater, that the alien stuff at the very end feels like a like a bonus scene to me. Um, Jade, earlier you described it, but you said that the alien stuff sort of felt like a like a post credit scene. Um, and and I I feel that way as well. I think that. Uh, the in, the entire movie is the bunker, and I think that that has a beginning, uh, a middle, and an end. And then the alien stuff just feels like a bit of extra, you know. I guess you could call it fun or whatever. That's that's how I feel it is now. But it it doesn't. It didn't feel to me like the movie was building to that. In fact, it actually feels really uh, distinct and separate. Like it feels like one of the writers of this movie was brought in, and they put in uh michelle leaving her partner at the beginning in order to have that reflect the the decision she makes at the end to drive for help um and it feels like they wrote in the alien thing but other than that it it doesn't it doesn't feel to me like they took that original ending slashed it away and dropped the alien thing in it feels more like the movie ends and then there is also an alien fight what about you jade that's yeah. That's pretty much how I felt about it. And same thing with like, it it did feel like that was just like an extra like a bone like yeah exactly just like a bonus scene. And then it's like oh well since we have this scene, let's go back and just like add a couple things in. We'll like add in, you know, the beginning scene where it's like oh there's power outages and like oh why are you leaving me <laughs> like um and. But I also thought that I think it would have been interesting if it was like, because this also reminds like I haven't watched a lot of movies like this. So it also reminds me of Saw because I have seen a lot of Saw movies. Um, Not exactly the same, obviously, Um, (laughs) even though a Saw style Cloverfield movie would be kind of sick. If they could, if that there's any way to make that work. But um, just where if it had like started, like, you know, this could have started just with her waking up in the bunker. Like, you didn't... I like the opening credit scene, but, like, like a lot of opening credit scenes, like, it's just kind of setting things up, and you could have started a little later if you really wanted to. Um, and I don't know. I just kind of... 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I still think the movie is good. It it just feels like it's like, ooh, I get a little extra treat at the end. Like, <laughs> and I think that's why I kind of stopped paying at super close attention. One, because I couldn't really see what was going on super well. Um, the darkness with the CG alien stuff, I'm just like, I'm just going to assume kind of what this looks like. And like, it, it becomes more of that action movie that you don't have to be super dialed into because, and I just noticed that because when they're in the bunker, I was like extremely dialed in. Like when I watch movies like this, I have to pause when I get too upset or like when I'm anticipating what's going to happen too much, I'm like, and I only do this when I'm alone, but I have to do it a lot when I'm alone is I have to pause and like kind of shake, shake it out and be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like something crazy is about to happen. And then I'll like press play again. And I had to do that a lot for this movie because wow. um, I was getting so excited. That's <laughs> so like, cool. Oh, like what? Yeah. Like what fucked up? shit is john goodman gonna do now like i have to prepare myself also i was watching this on pluto tv <laughs> do you guys know what that is only no. because you told me no i don't oh yeah yeah it's like it's an app but it's basically like cable and this was like on demand on pluto tv but that meant that i was getting a lot of um commercial breaks <laughs> which was oh. very weird very disruptive um and I specifically remember one commercial break. It was literally, and this also made it feel more like a post-credit scene is because um, Michelle gets to, you know, she's escaping. She has her helmet and stuff on. She's breaking through like the skylight hatch um, in the air filter room. And then literally right as she's about to come up onto the surface, it's like, are you always sanitizing your bathroom? <laughs> like that, like just totally interrupts it. That is hilarious. Um, which I was like, yeah, it was really funny. It was like, hey, are you always like fucking cleaning your dirty bathroom? Like, and I was like, come on. <laughs> like, I was like so ready to see what was going to happen. And then, you know, I had to watch a couple commercials and it comes back and then it just feels like a completely different movie. Um, I think that was definitely part of it as well, which is not the movie's fault, but just like how I watched it. Um, and watching it with a lot of commercial breaks also gave me a lot of time just to be thinking like, okay, so maybe this is what happened. Maybe like, you know, they get, they do get turned into zombies. Maybe it wasn't actually aliens and it's like a bait and switch and then aliens are going to come in later or blah, blah, blah. So that kind of, I think in some ways detracted from my watching experience, but in some ways by giving my brain room to just kind of scramble around kind of made it more exciting. I don't know. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's that sounds <laughs> I love that idea of having to pause to get the wiggles out. I would that that would be so I would want like recommendations from movies of you that like made you pause the most to get the wiggles out, because those are the those are the sorts of movies I love where I'm just like I'm so cognizant that I'm like invested in this movie and want to know what happens next. And I'm just like giddy at what I'm watching. And I think this is one of those. Um so that that's really cool to hear. I'll give you a list. I'll think of something. I'll text it to you later. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like we talked about everything we wanted to. Yeah. I, well, hey, uh, I reckon we can put a tag on it. Uh, yeah, we can do that. Uh, we can film Genero because we got to do that again. 
uh we had our episode 100 breather from that to cover a classic but yeah how many uh how many things do we have on that then we have 326 <laughs> is that less than last time? that feels like less than last time i don't know if that's right somebody hmm. can tell me but i guess it, it's got to be at least one less than last time that's a, yeah it's got to be at least one less <laughs> Uh okay, everybody knows how this works, so let's just get right into it. Big money, <laughs> no skeletons. Three, two, All one. right, uh, anyone unfamiliar with no fuck yourselves? Let's do this. You'll figure it out. Word it with context. Or he's clues. got a lot of like little, like really tired little league coach energy today. <laughs> <laughs> like the t-ball coach that drinks. Like it's that guy oh, yeah listen yeah. i got an ice cold one at home calling my name let's get let's get through this come on 67 67 okay all right so uh um we just missed number 66 is what that means which would have been sort of timely vhs viral Ooh. which is a little anthology horror movie. Um, they're making a new one right now called VHS 94, I think, that is going to drop on Shudder, uh, presumably this year. So I'm excited to maybe check that one out. Um, but we I will not be visiting. I they made like 90 other movies. So <laughs> <laughs> I wonder which one viral is. It's got to at least be <laughs> into the 10s because it was so many they decided not to use a number. The old yeah, WrestleMania yeah. technique. Has um, WrestleMania stopped numbering the WrestleManias? Yes. Huh. Yes. Um, at least so, they've stopped doing it so clearly. Like, that's why it's WrestleMania the, 17 was X7. The only way that if you buy a ticket to WrestleMania and are allowed it is if you can tell the ticket taker which one it is. <laughs> and then agree not to tell anyone else. <laughs> you get taken into a booth. You have to tell the guy. Okay, uh, 68, which we also just missed, of course, would have been Reanimator 3. Okay, so not whatever comes after Bride of Reanimator, I guess? I didn't know there was another one. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's more recent, like in the 2000s. Um, anyway, we'll learn about that another day, I guess, because number 67 means that next week we're talking about Chud 2, Bud the Chud. <laughs> <laughs> Jade, you are welcome to come back, of course. <laughs> if you want to know what that one, I don't know if I'm right. <laughs> oh, it sounds <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. So Mitch just gets to not. I know would love for this. you guys to make Mitch watch that movie, though. <laughs> oh, he is. Oh, he is. He's not getting out of this one. No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> Chud too, bud. The Honestly, chud. let's go. Liam, tell us no more. Nobody Google that movie. Either watch it or wait for us to talk about it. Those are your only options. Sounds we're, good. We're going in dry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to go into Bud the Chud. <laughs> okay. Uh... <laughs> he prefers it that way. Okay. Oh boy, that's not. That can't be. Okay. Anyway, I guess let's not get into the logistics of that. Um, so, Jay, thanks for coming back. You're welcome. <laughs> this isn't exactly how we drew it up, but it's fine. It's still, we had a good time. You know, we laughed, we, we learned, we lived. 
Uh, we totally ignored Corey's verbatim script. <laughs> <laughs> what? You just, it, it didn't go as planned. That's all. Oh, uh, let's just yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, I'm go thank take you. a cold shower. Oh god, I am. It is really hot in here. I'm like having a time actually. Um. Anyway, I don't know. Thanks you everybody for listening. This is they made another one. It's it's always like this all the time. Uh. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at TMAOPodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and a funny joke suggestion that I usually have um, that I don't have right now. Jade, do you have things you would like to plug? Um, nope. Uh, you can find me at Jade Sketches. Well, I said nope. <laughs> um, I guess I meant yeah. You can find me Jade Sketches um, on Instagram or Letterboxd in case you haven't been listening and want to know what I thought of this movie. Um, <laughs> it's also Jade Sketches there. In case you saw that Jade was on this and then didn't listen to it but wanted to read her thoughts. If you're more of a visual learner. <laughs> <laughs> and um, of course, Jade also did our lovely art that we like a lot. Uh, so thank you for that as always. And then Liam, what about you? Um, yep. You guys can find my film writing. <laughs> you guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. Um, you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other show that I do uh, with our friend Neil called MK PodQuest, which is about Mortal Kombat stuff. It's on the internet under that name. And uh, Mitch has just asked us f- what we picked on the genera, so I guess we should get out of here and uh, go uh, tell him his grim fate about having to watch uh, Chud 2 Return of the Chud or whatever Liam said it was called. So... With that all out of the way, thanks again, and we'll catch you here next time for more. They made another one?